I've got a confession to make. Last week, I had a horrible temper tantrum because I have been distracted. I have taken my eyes off Jesus. And I got caught in a trap of looking at what is going wrong instead of all the things that are going right in my life through Jesus Christ. And I had a big old temper tantrum. And I was talking at God. You know how that is? Let me tell you a thing or two, oh God. Because this is the way things are and there's not much I like about it. I was pretty nasty as I journaled, as I wrote, as I cried. (laughs) And it it reminded me of the Rolling Stones song, You Can't Always Get What You Want. (laughs) Because God was very clear to remind me. Over and over I heard the words, Summer Slump. I thought, well, what do you mean? What, What does that have to do with me? And it was very clear that God was telling me that because of the choices I have made, that because I took my eyes off him and was basically having a pity party, I have allowed myself to fall into a summer slump on my spiritual journey. And through the conversations that I've had with a lot of folks in this church and this community, I feel that a lot of you can relate. Sometimes there are seasons in our spiritual journey. Sometimes we're on mountaintops. Sometimes it's the spring of new life. Sometimes it's summer where things are pretty easy going, kind of like a day at the beach when the sun is out. Then there is the winter where we feel rather dormant, where Things may be working inside of us, but we're not seeing much fruit. There is the fall when things are dying. Summer slump. I don't know what season of your spiritual journey you're in, but I just have to confess to you, I have been in a summer slump. But God made it very clear to me that once I turned my eyes back to Jesus, my Savior, I could raise above the water that I felt was engulfing me. So, we're going to go to Scripture because that's what God led me to do. God took me quickly to Hebrews 12, and I start reading, and I go, oh, really? I mean, this was my temper tantrum. Really? Yes, I know I have to run the race. Yes, I know I have to persevere. Yes, I know I have to have patience. But excuse me, damn it, I don't like it. That's kind of where I am. And God has been so loving, so compassionate, so faithful to journey with me, to remind me that I'm not alone, to put godly people in my path that can pray with me, that can encourage me, that can edify me, and I can also, even in my slump, pour into them. So let's go to Hebrews 12. Take out your Bibles or your phones or wherever you've got your scripture. 
And let's listen. Hebrews 12, 1 through 13. Paul had written that Hebrews 11, we call it the Hall of Fame for faith. All of those big people in the Bible who were testifying, living out their witnesses in powerful ways. He just got finished with chapter 11, and then he starts with this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood, and have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons and daughters? My child, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the ones he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons and daughters. For what child is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate sons and not children. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them, but he disciplines us for our good that we may share his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems rather painful rather painful than pleasant. But later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I exercise, but I'm not a runner. Never have been. I'm sure I never will be. But we have several folks in our midst who are runners, who train for marathons. And I've called Kim Duncan to share with us this morning. You usually don't see Kim and his wife Kathy because he is a servant heart who serves faithfully at the 830 traditional service. But he's trained for marathons. And he's run a marathon or two, or three, three, three marathons. Lord have mercy. And he's in the process of training for a triathlon. So Kim, come on up, and where is the handheld? On the riser. Drums. Got it. 
I've asked Kim to share what he's going through in his training. Thanks, Kim. Well, thanks, Joanne. Um, thanks for the invitation to come this morning. We usually do go to, to the early service, but uh, I was glad that Joanne called this week. And, uh, and y'all heard you were getting a new pastor. You didn't know it was me, did you? <laughs> anyway, uh, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 reminds us that the way to run a race is to keep focus on the prize. The scripture compares life uh, to running. And a lot of folks ask me, why, why do you run? Why, why do it? Why do you run races? Well, I, I just enjoy it. I enjoy the time to myself. I have a busy life. All of us do. But to go out in the mornings, uh, depending on what I'm doing, two or three days a week, three or four days a week, maybe one hour, half hour, two, sometimes three hours and just run, um, you just you can solve a lot of problems. You spend a lot of time with yourself and God. But when you're training for a race, sometimes you, you begin to lose focus. And you have to and say, well, what race do you want to run next? Well, you know, I don't know. A lot of times, for me, it depends on what the medal looks like. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's, I want a big medal. I want a shiny, fancy medal. I want one, you know, that spins and all this kind of thing. But as you begin to train for a race, sometimes you lose focus. So what you have to do is, I keep a picture. Sometimes of the race I'm getting ready to run. Say, that's the medal I'm working toward. Hmm. I'll just go back sometimes and I'll look at that medal. And say, oh yeah, that, that's what I'm doing. So I'll pick a race, then I'll pick a training schedule I want to follow. And then I, I, I schedule my workouts and I have a nice book and write everything down sometimes four or five months in advance of what my plan is. But it's not always easy. Um, things get in the way. Life gets in the way. Work. Sometimes you wind up with a, a nagging injury that you just have to sometimes take, take, take time off and, and recover. Sometimes the weather don't cooperate. Uh, two weeks ago, I had to call Kathy standing under an awning. I looked at the radar before I left the house, and I thought I was a little faster than I was. Mm. Well, I didn't make it back to the house. I had to call her at 6.30 in the morning, under awning up here on the square, can you come pick me up? And she did. She didn't seem to mind. But some, sometimes you have good runs. Sometimes you have bad runs. Listen, there are times that I get home, and, I, and as I'm coming down the street, I'm thinking, you know, if the Olympic Committee hears about this run, they're going to call me. They're going to ask me to run on the Olympic team. And then I, I look at the stopwatch, I look at my little app on my phone and go, I'm never running again. This is awful. And I just frustrated. And more than once, I've walked in the house, and Kathy said, how was your run? Wasn't good. And more than once, she has said, you know, Kim, not everybody can go out and run an hour. You need to be appreciative hmm. that you can do that. We have good runs. We have bad runs. The, the last race I ran was at mile two. And it was a 26-mile race, so we were just getting started. And I come up behind two Marines. 
And they were going slower than I was. They ought to have been. They had a full backpack, had full gear. And I thought, well, they better go slow. They got 24 miles to go. They better reserve their energy, preserve their energy. As I went around them, they were following another young Marine who was on prosthetic legs. They were his support group to get him for the next 26 miles. Their, their prize was probably different than mine. Mine was just a shiny medal. His prize was just to be able to do it. We train, we work, we hope all that goes well on race day. You try and get plenty of sleep the night before. A lot of people do what's carving up. There's always a spaghetti dinner at the event. You hope you have plenty of water. You try and prepare. And that's the way it is with our spiritual life. We get distracted. Life happens. But we must keep our eyes on the prize. We have to turn away from the distractions. The Bible says that Jesus is the Alpha and the Omega. He's the beginning and the end. That means he's there with you in the beginning. He's there with you during all your troubles. And he's there with you at the end. What gets me to the end of the race? Yeah, maybe a, a little metal, but it's also the personal satisfaction of the challenge that I that I set before myself and that I that I meet. Joanne said uh, my, my latest challenge is uh, I've decided to try a, a triathlon. Um, so the first thing I did was I bought a book. I read the book. And I can tell you right now, reading the book doesn't make you a triathlon athlete. I, I, I've learned that the hard way. I went and bought a bicycle, and, I, and of course I had running gear. And everything was going good until I got to the swimming part. The swimming part's not going so well. Uh, I watched videos on YouTube. Talked to one college kid out the gym. And uh, he goes, yeah, this is, a hard, this is a hard sport. You know, you try not to drown. Well, that's not really accurate, but, but I've been working, and I, I would go home from the gym of trying to swim. I'd tell Kathy, I'm not getting any better. I'm not doing something right. So I finally put an ad in the paper. So I'm looking for a swim coach. I'm, I'm seeking some help here. So I met up with a swim coach, and he, he met me at the gym. He watched me swim. We talked a little while about my goals and so forth, and he said, uh, well, he goes, that's all that's fine. Let me see you swim. So I went down to the end of the pool, and I came back. And uh, he goes, you know, he goes, I, I think, you know, aerobically you're there. Physically you're there. He said, why don't we talk about your fear of the water? You don't like being in the water. And you've got to overcome your fear. And I got to thinking about it, and he's right. I don't like being in the water. I have to admit, I, he, he is, he is he's accurate about that. He said, we got, we got to get you comfortable. So he started, he started giving me some instructions, some, some exercises to do. And what he wanted me to do was just hold my breath and go underwater and slowly breathe out. Just get used to being in the water. 
Well, every time I did, I didn't like it. I'm here to tell you, I didn't like it. I would just float right back up out of the water. He said, do it again. Stay underwater. And I go underwater, and I would just float right back up to the top. He said, you see, you're not going to drown. But now I need you to stay underwater. So I would have to physically hold the side of the pool to stay underwater. So now I'm, I'm having to overcome that fear. Now, I wanted to do a triathlon uh, in September. I, I don't know that I'll be able to do it this summer for the simple fact that it's taking me longer to prepare. And plus, at my age, it takes a lot longer to recover from those bike rides and long runs, too. But I enjoy it. I enjoy the challenge. I'm going to try and overcome this fear. He's taught me some breathing techniques to how to do it underwater, not breathe underwater, but how to exhale underwater, come up and, and exhale some more. So I'm working on it. I may have to move my goal a little bit, and I'm okay with that. But my question is to you this morning, is your eye on the prize? If not, what are you scared of? What's your fear? The prize is really the relationship with Jesus Christ. The prize is leading someone to Christ. The prize is when we're no longer on this earth and when we're in heaven. I look back at the pictures of those medals and I burned a few. It's great to have this. But this morning, what's your fear? What are you scared of? Don't take your eye off the prize. Thank you, Joanne, for letting me come this morning. Thank you, Kim. Thank you. Amen. I so appreciate your vulnerability and your honesty. I hope that your wheels were turning because that had everything to do with our spiritual life, our spiritual journey. And whether it's fear or whatever, it, uh, I was so overwhelmed by Brent's sermon yes, last week. I had actually started listening to it. I told you on podcast, and I heard his heavy breathing, and I couldn't figure out what in the world he was doing. So I had to pull it up online, and here he is stacking cinder blocks. But what an incredible illustration and such a powerful example. Our scripture tells us, let us also lay aside every weight that burdens us. Let us, let us lay aside the sin which we cling to so closely. And the wall that we have that separates us from God, that closes us off from other people. Oh, you listed all kinds of things, Brent. Status, grief, worry, anxiety, pain, regret, friends, image, career, fear, guilt, habits, habits, privilege. It can go on and on. Whatever your stuff is, we all have stuff that we're carrying. And the only weight that God wants us to bear 
is the weight of picking up our cross, denying ourself, and following after Jesus Christ. So think about your race, your spiritual journey of transformation. You know, when I was ordained, I had to answer the question, are you moving on to perfection? And I questioned that. How can I be perfect in this life? But perfect doesn't mean without mistake. Perfect means whole and complete. And now I know that I answered correctly. That yes, I am moving on to perfection in the race of this life through Jesus Christ my Savior. It is only through Him and with Him that I can continue on this journey. So, let's go back to Scripture and look. Paul tells us to do several things. Whatever and wherever you are in the race, whatever season you're in, we are reminded to do several things. And the first one Paul says to do is lift your drooping hands. You know, I was going through the motions of my morning worship I even chose to do some just sitting and soaking in worship, listening to praise and worship music. But I didn't choose to open myself up to God. I had allowed myself to become so distracted that I was going through the motions, but there was a wall and I was not letting God do a work within me. When Paul says, lift your drooping hands, he's saying to me, and I hope to you, worship and praise. And when you don't feel it, when you don't feel the warm fuzzies of communion with God, show up anyway. And give him your best, even if it's just this little, tiny, glimmer, mustard seed of faith. Allow God in. Start allowing some reality. Build an altar. My spiritual director has a, has a, a statement he makes often. He tells me, you know, God just loves us kids. And all God wants as our heavenly parent is for us to seek him out, to spend time with him. God was very patient with me, but he didn't object when I was telling him off, when I was talking at him instead of listening for him. Just like the song says, God is jealous for me. God is jealous for us. We are created to be in relationship with him. So sometimes... It is just showing up. But then I have to take it one step further, and I have to be intentional with, okay, God, I acknowledge your presence with me. Sometimes it's sitting and being still. Sometimes it is allowing reality I could only imagine, Kim, when the coach said, let's talk about your fear of the water. It was like, oh, gee, I thought I was hiding that pretty well. That's kind of where I was last week when I had my temper tantrum and God said, wait a minute here. Let's do a little work. You see, if we are moving on to perfection, then we 
do our best to raise our drooping hands and we choose to do the tough work. We choose not to remain the same. We choose to allow God through the power of the Holy Spirit to continue to chip away the hardened places or maybe the mindsets or the attitudes that we have, that have become so uh, familiar to us. Praise, worship, pray, raise your drooping hands and then strengthen your weak knees. To me, that means training. To me, that means discipline. That means I've got to do the work. Kim, you're smack dab in the middle of that. He's showing up and he's doing the work. And just like you, I don't like it. Most of us, when we are in a growing season and God is doing a new work within us, it's not comfortable. Most times when we are being disciplined, whether it is because of something we have intentionally chosen, a, a way that we have intentionally chosen to go against God's will for us, or if we are disciplined simply because God wants us to grow. Do you know the difference? There are different ways for God to discipline us. Sometimes our suffering is not a consequence of a negative behavior on our part. Sometimes it's just that God doesn't want us to be stagnant, that God doesn't want us to be complacent, that God wants us to continue to grow. You know, as parents, grandparents, aunts, and uncles, sometimes there are lessons that need to be learned. Yeah, when I'm on the receiving end of God's lesson, when I'm feeling the warm and fuzzy, I can be grateful. But when it feels like hell on earth, I just want to have a temper tantrum. That's where getting a coach is so important. We could, you know, I could do the whole analogy that Jesus Christ truly is our coach. But we need people in the flesh and blood also who will journey with us, who will hold us accountable, who will edify us, who will encourage us, who will pray with us, who will sit with us when we don't want to keep our head under water, when we don't know how to exhale all of the stuff that we're carrying and, and using to put up walls. We are created to be in relationship with God and other people, to strengthen our weak knees we need to be in community. And God reminded me that I was holding on to a sin of pride and arrogance because I wanted to show that I could do this on my own. That I was, I was going to push on through perseverance. Yeah, but it's not the kind of perseverance that God wanted. God reminded me that I need godly brothers and sisters to just simply talk through things and for them to be able to share their perspective with me, to share their discernment through the power of the Holy Spirit with me, to realign my mindset and my attitude. We've got to be in community. We've got to be with others. And, and this whole being with stuff, it's not always so that we can do something for someone else. Most often, 
being with, serving one another is the way in which I experience God most powerfully, most poignantly. When I think that I am going to be with someone who is less than, that's when I learn the most. So perhaps this strengthening our weak knees includes getting out of our comfort zone and getting out of our box and being with God's children, especially those who don't look or think or talk or act like us. And then Paul reminds us to make straight paths for your feet I believe, at least it was reminded to me, that I need to be intentional with the choices that I make each and every day. That has to do with how I choose to look at my life and my circumstances, how I choose to live out my mindset and my attitudes, what kind of interactions I want to be a part of, what I say, what I do, what I don't say, what I don't do. This is stuff we know as Christ followers, but it's very easy for us to be distracted. And when we get distracted, when we take our eyes off Jesus Christ, that's where I believe we become lame. And Paul is talking about being spiritually lame, functioning at a point that is less than functioning well. But what does it say? Make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but may be healed. We have to acknowledge our dysfunction. We acknowledge our reality. It doesn't mean that we, we say, oh yes, everything's just perfect. When, when life is very difficult. But we acknowledge our reality And we say, God, I need help. How do you spend your time? Where are your priorities? You know, all of these, we know this kind of stuff. But when we run the race, we have to make intentional choices. Who do you hang out with? What kind of stuff do you watch? How much time are you on social media? How much time are you watching CNN or Fox News or whatever? And what is God calling you to do? How is God calling you to spend your time? We are running the race. It's not an easy race. It's a marathon. It's a marathon of epic proportions. And yes, I am keeping my eye on the prize. But I get distracted. And I am asking you to hold me accountable. Because I want to do the same for you. As the body of Christ, we are to be journeying with. And that means we come into this place and we don't put up a facade We don't put up a wall of we've got it all together. But we come wounded, broken, honest, vulnerable, just as we are, so that we can meet God, worship Him in spirit and in truth, and so that we might be in community together.
For a couple years now, colleagues of mine in ministry throughout the conference have used this hashtag, and it's hashtag bless the mess. Bless the mess. And yeah, I'd read that for a long time. I see it. I see, you know, when blogs or comments are posted, and it's always hashtag bless the mess. But the last week or week and a half, it's really, it's really taken hold with me. Because I don't know how long this season will be. My prayer has been, God, what am I to learn from this? And I have a sense it's not going to be a quick and easy fix. I have a sense that I'll be training for a while. But I am praying more than ever before for God to bless the mess, that I might see him in the midst of the mess. As we sing, we're going to sing inside out because God wants to do a work from within. And I pray that you will take some time to reflect and to pray and to be real with God and one another. I pray that you will come up to this altar and just lay down whatever distractions or the weight that you've been carrying, perhaps through this, this time the Holy Spirit has convicted some sinful ways to you, some thoughts, some attitudes, some mindsets. I pray that you will just have some personal time with God. And this is the place to do that. This is the place to come, and you know I believe in posture, just humbling yourself before God. And to fess up and say, you know what, I, I don't have it all together. But I do want to keep my eyes on the prize. So help me, Jesus. Let's stand and worship and you pray as you feel led.